John 18, starting in verse 33. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? After, this, after he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray for God's blessing upon his word. Our God, we ask that you would bless the reading and preaching of your word, that you would open our eyes to see what is here for us, that we might hear the truth, hear the voice of Jesus, and go after him, that we might follow him as those who are of the truth. We ask that you would sanctify us by your word, for your word is truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Earlier we saw how Jesus was betrayed in the garden, how Judas led the officers and servants and soldiers uh, to Gethsemane, where they arrested Jesus, how Jesus willingly gave himself up, even though he was powerful, he could blow them back by a word, and yet he uh, gave himself to them, said who he was, And he was brought first before the high priest and the high priest's uh, father-in-law. And uh, the Jews met and questioned him and came up with a a conviction of some kind, although we saw it was rather lacking in substance and irregular and unjust. But they brought him nonetheless to the Roman governor. We saw last time that they insisted on the governor condemning him because the governor had the authority to execute people. He had the power of life and death. Uh, That was a prerogative at this point belonging to the Roman magistrate. And Pilate was in town uh, at that time, especially because the Passover was there. And so they insisted that Jesus be put to death. Now, in this passage, we find Pilate talking with Jesus. They are inside the house. The Jews are outside because they don't want to defile themselves in the house of a Gentile, ironically, right? Because they are defiling themselves by their sin, but they're not going inside. Well, Jesus is inside and Pilate is questioning him, trying to figure out what's going on, trying to figure out if there's a, a, a charge worthy of death. Um, and he asks Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? He, he was trying to d- discern, was Jesus a threat? Did he claim to be a king? Was Jesus a rebel? He had rebels in his jail already. Barabbas is 
is mentioned at the end here as a robber. The word there is not merely for a theft, but the type of like a, a, a violent robber on the highway and often used to, to describe insurgents or rebels. Uh, and uh, we learn from one of the other gospels, he was a murderer. This was uh, one who was a, a rebel against uh, Rome and was in prison. And Pilate is wondering if Jesus might be one as well. Uh, there had been a king of the Jews. When Jesus was born, do you remember, there was a king of the Jews, right? Do you think there was a king of the Jews when Jesus was born? Herod was king of the Jews, and he was jealous of anyone else that claimed to be king of the Jews. But after he died, and his son got a lot of complaints against him, the Romans replaced him with a Roman governor and reduced Judea from a kingdom to a province. And so when Jesus was an adult, there was no king of the Jews in office. Instead, there was a Roman governor. But there were still people who wanted to revive the old kingdom. And so there would be people who would claim to be a king to try to uh, push away the Romans and to assert their independence as a a kingdom uh, to be heir to Herod. And it seems that perhaps some of the Jews had mentioned or alluded to Pilate that, that this Jesus was this kind of threat to Rome. This kind of uh, accusation would get the Romans' attention. So Pilate asks, are you a king? Well, was Jesus a king? Was Jesus a rebel? He was a king. He wasn't a rebel. And so Jesus answers him carefully. Uh, he does uh, say that he is a king, but not the type of king that Pilate was thinking of. Jesus said he was a king by speaking of my kingdom. All right, He's speaking of the way my kingdom is, so he is admitting to being a king, but he's also clarifying what he meant. He had not committed any crime. He had, was not guilty of any rebellion. Uh, his kingdom was not just another earthly kingdom like Herod's or uh, the Romans. It was not from this world. And so we have a couple things here. First of all, it was not of this world. That is, it's not from this world. It was not from here. Christ's kingdom is not a mere political kingdom on the same level of Pilate's. It's not like you had the kingdom of Armenia and the the kingdom of Ethiopia and the kingdom of the Romans and then the kingdom of Christ. It's not just one more kingdom among all the other kingdoms. Uh, His kingdom is not of this world. It's not from this world. It speaks of its foundation and origin. What's the basis of this kingdom? Where, what is its power? Where did it come from? Well, it's not founded on the will of man and his methods. Just like our salvation is not of the will of man. It's not that we save ourselves by mustering up our strength to change ourselves and breaking free from Satan. Is that how we're saved? No. God saves us. We're born from above. We're born of God. Well, Christ's kingdom is the same way. It's not from this world. It's not a natural development. It's from outside this world. It's from God. I'm giving away the next point. But anyway, it's not from this world. It does not come by the mere power of man. And it does not come from rebellion. 
doesn't come from overthrowing whoever is the current ruler and installing Jesus. Uh, The goal is not merely a new external order of laws and penalties. Laws may be helpful, right? But they cannot save man from sin. Magistrates like Pilate have their place. Paul talks about the governing authorities who have the power of the sword. They're God's ministers, but they can't save the world. Would Caesar Augustus be able to save the world? He could tax the world, right? But he couldn't save the world. He could keep a little order, keep the streets clear a little bit, but he couldn't save it. Some people have thought that, that governors and kings could save the world, that they were like God on earth, that if they gave all the power to the government and increased its role, then maybe it could save the world and make the world some kind of utopia, solve all our ills. But that is a misplaced hope. The government, kings and rulers, is a good tool, but it's only a tool. And it has a specific purpose, but it's not to save the world. It is good in its place, but it is not a Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Savior of the world. And so, if it's not of this world, where is his kingdom from? Where do you think Jesus' kingdom is from? Heaven? Heaven? God? Above? He received this kingdom, not from a military coup in Rome, but by laying down his life for the salvation of his people. Uh, it, It was achieved in a very different way than most kingdoms. Jesus overthrew the dominion of sin and death and Satan at the cross. That's why he gave himself to be delivered over to them. If If uh, it was simply to gain control politically, he would have tried to kept himself out of the clutches of the Jews. His disciples would have pulled out their swords and fought back and and chased all the servants away and ran to the hills and fought a, a warfare. But Jesus is saying, but that's not what we're doing, obviously. I, I rebuked my disciple who tried that method. My kingdom is not from that, but rather it is a conflict on a, on a higher level. And it comes from a higher source. He received his kingdom from his father in heaven. That's what Daniel 7 was portraying. He comes to the ancient of days and receives a kingdom. Jesus would die He would fulfill his father's will to the very last, to to death itself, and then be raised and to be ascended on high and to receive a kingdom, all authority in heaven and on earth. The father would give him all authority over all flesh that he might save his people. He had mentioned that at the beginning of his prayer in chapter 17. And now he reigns from his throne in heaven. Where is the capital city of Christ's kingdom? Is it in Washington, D.C.? No. Is it in Rome? Is it in the Vatican? No. no, it's in heaven. That's the capital city of, God, of Christ's kingdom. He rules by divine grace and divine power, not by uh, mere men, but by a power that is more powerful than Nebuchadnezzar, right? Is able to cast him down and make him eat grass? Yeah. Well, that's, that's God's power. Most high rules over men, right? But it's also the power that can transform sinners, that can 
turn them to Christ, that they might be forgiven and brought out of Satan's domain and live forever with him. This kingdom is a stone that was cut out by no human hands, right? And, and then comes upon the statue and grows into a mountain and fills the earth. It doesn't come uh, from this earth, but it comes from heaven. Likewise, its citizens, its subjects, the people who belong to this kingdom, who are not outlaws, but are good citizens and good standing with their king to be protected by him, those are people who have been born again by the Spirit. Jesus spoke of this kingdom in John 3 earlier, and he said, unless you are born again, you cannot see this kingdom. Uh, that to enter this kingdom, you must be born by God, born by the Spirit. And so Jesus he, he begins his kingdom in your hearts by releasing you from the power of sin to corrupt and uh, by giving you forgiveness by his grace through faith. And so Christ is the king of his people and he rules their hearts by his word and by his spirit. Does Christ rule in your heart? Have you been born again by God? that you belong, therefore, to his kingdom. You can't see his kingdom in that sense. It's a spiritual reality that's worked within you. But all those who are born again, and we do see their professions of faith and the baptism that marks Christ's people, uh, that we see his church, and these are the people of his kingdom. He, he appointed ordinances like the sacraments and officers to visibly mark and rule his people, that he might disciple his people and govern his people. He has established this, this reign. And then his kingdom is made manifest as his people uh, do the fruit of the Spirit, as the Spirit's work comes out in their love and joy and peace and patience, their righteousness, as they obey the Lord and reform their lives accordingly, and that we can see the kingdom of Christ at work. So his kingdom is not from this world, it's from heaven, it's from God. It has divine power to demolish strongholds. It is a power that's beyond any atomic bomb or sword. Now, thirdly, Jesus, what, what is his relation to Pilate? Does Jesus overthrow Pilate? Does Jesus ignore Pilate? What should Pilate do? To Jesus. Well, Jesus does not replace Pilate, but he reigns over Pilate. Jesus is the ruler of kings on earth. That's one of his titles in Revelation 1. He is the ruler of kings on earth. Certainly that would mean he's the ruler of governors on earth too. His throne is above all, but he does not overthrow Pilate, but he does rule over him. And Pilate ought to have listened to the truth who was standing there right in front of him. But instead, Pilate goes, what is truth? And he eventually succumbs to the will of the crowd. But all kings and nations ought to submit themselves to Christ and to serve him. Uh, they ought to, to kiss the sun. That's what Psalm 2 says. As in, kiss his ring or kiss the ground at his feet. Submit yourself to him. And John Calvin, commenting on this passage, says, when kings and princes are commanded to kiss the Son of God, 
not only are they enjoined to submit to his authority in their private capacity, but also to employ all the power that they possess in defending the church and maintaining godliness. Pilate ought to have submitted himself to Christ as a spiritual ruler, as a ruler that he would need to obey. And he does that throughout the world today, calling all people, even kings and rulers, to submit to him, to be saved by him, and therefore to obey him. Now, whatever protection or help kings might give to the kingdom of Christ is not essential. It can survive without them. Its power is fundamentally the word and the power of the spirit. The protection of kings is not fundamental to Christ's kingdom in the way it is for earthly kingdoms, uh, because it's founded upon the power of God. Uh, But kings, and we might also add fathers and other people who have authority, can use their power to, to guide people so that Christ's kingdom flourishes in their midst, that the word has liberty to be preached and Christ's ways to be practiced and his ways to be upheld and his church defended. But the power of the kingdom comes from Christ's word, Christ's spirit, and Christ's grace. So earthly kingdoms, like Rome and America, we're not quite a kingdom, right? We don't have a king, but we have a a government. Uh, These earthly kingdoms are not subverted by Christ's kingdom, but they are to be converted, uh, to be permeated, uh, to be made even helpful to it as Christ extends his kingdom. Now, what is opposed to Christ's kingdom? Sin and Satan is opposed to Christ's kingdom. We pray that the kingdom of grace be advanced. advanced. What do we pray be destroyed? Do we pray that Rome be destroyed? No. no. Satan's kingdom be destroyed. That's right. Christ's kingdom is opposed to Satan's kingdom, and it exists on that more fundamental level. Christ's kingdom is not opposed to civil order, but to Satan's power and kingdom. And so may Satan's power be destroyed. As Satan's kingdom has infected and corrupted men's hearts and all of human society and every ordinance, you know, marriage and, and life and civil governments and all these good things that God made get corrupted and twisted by Satan's power, by his lies and ways. So Christ's kingdom spreads through all human society. It begins in the heart of man and spreads and reforms through its influence through the hearts of men. As far as evil goes, so goes the work of Christ. Now, another qualification is that Christ's kingdom is not from this world, but it is in this world. It is otherworldly in its origin and in its foundation, but it is here on earth. Is Christ's kingdom here? No. Yes, it is. Christ's kingdom is here. It's within us. Christ's kingdom is here, even though he is in heaven. His rule extends to earth. Uh, He rules us. We have his commands, his royal decrees. Uh, We have his spirit among us. In fact, what do we pray in the Lord's Prayer about his kingdom? Thy kingdom come. We want it to come here. 
And it's coming here more and more. And it shall finally come in its fullest glory when he comes. But he says, if by the spirit of God I cast out demons, then you know that the kingdom has come upon you. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So his kingdom is not from this world. It's not of this world, but it is in this world. God has not abandoned his creation. It has come through the ministry of Christ. It is like that rock turning into a mountain, filling the earth, or that, that tree that now grows from a mustard seed to be the biggest garden plant. Therefore, Christ's kingdom is relevant to everything in the world. He has authority over every square inch of this earth. Lastly, Jesus speaks about why he was born. That's kind of fitting as we come to Christmas and we speak of Christ's birth. Well, he says, for this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world. First of all, note that he came into this world. Jesus was outside of this world, and he came into this world for a purpose. He didn't have to come into this world, but he did come having this mission. Jesus was uh, with the Father from all eternity, but he came into this world by being born, by being conceived and born of Mary. But he came, why? To bear witness to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Christ grows his kingdom through the preaching of truth, for the preaching of the truth of God. And for that purpose, he was born. He came to reveal the truth of God to man, to reveal God to man, that they might turn from the lies of the devil and live in the light. And so those who are of the truth follow his voice. They are like the sheep then that follow the shepherd and are within his kingdom, his fold. He holds sway over them by the word of truth. So let us listen to the truth, to be sanctified by the truth, and so make known the truth to all the world. Now in the end, the rebel Barabbas was released. The one who was not a rebel, who had done nothing wrong, and in fact though was the rightful king, Though not a threat to Pilate, he was led to execution. But it was in this way that he would obtain our salvation. It was in this way that he would be lifted up and draw all men to himself. Being now risen from the dead, he offers salvation to the world. He is the King of Kings. So let us all take refuge in him. Join with me in prayer. Dear Father, we thank you for sending your own Son for us, that you did not spare him, uh, but that you sent sent him into this world, uh, that he might be the Savior of the world, that he might take us out of the fallen world of lust and pride and out of Satan's kingdom, that we might have forgiveness in him and security and rest in you. We pray that you would extend this kingdom over every nation, over every heart, uh, that we might joyfully love and serve you forever. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.